0: Back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 15, the 10. He dies.
1: Touchdown 49ers. The 49ers season ends in Los Angeles with a crushing, just gutting, gut wrenching defeat at the hands of the Los Angeles Rams 20 17. Uh, and you know, we talked about it last week on the show, hoping that it wasn't our last in-season podcast It ended up being our last in-season podcast. I am Zane nakvi here with another episode of the 49ers web zone novel podcast. And I've got a guest host with me who's been on before with us. Thank you very much, Brian Renick. I know I'm a little bit down right now, but you know, how could you not be down after hearing Jimmy's press conference the other day and the Niners being down Brian, you're, in, you're subbing in for Al today, who who is still mourning and is not able to join us because he's just so down in the dumps. No, I'm just kidding. Al had a lot of stuff going on this week because, you know, when football season ends, as a parent, like, like or you know, for anybody, football priority season ends, like, exactly priority yeah. shift, right? So, anyways, Brian, man, I it's just such a such a gut wrenching way to lose, man, and it felt like the Super Bowl, honestly, it did. They were up by ten. And the Rams, you know, you can say that like they were, they were already driving when the fourth quarter started, right? They were already in the red zone. So that, that was going to be points no matter what, but they were up 10 in the fourth quarter and you could, you could kind of see the wheels start to fall off here. And when Kittle scored that touchdown, Jimmy hit him and, and they went up 10. I was like, all right, cool. The Rams offense isn't doing much. Like we talked about it before the show right now, like off the air, you, you were talking about how the defense was allowing yards, but not points. And I was like, look, like they're allowing field goals, right? Like, you know, a touchdown could put this away after the Kittle touchdown. You know, if you get it to 24 to seven, it's a wrap and they needed one drive and they couldn't put it together. Just like in the Super Bowl, they needed one drive, one touchdown drive, and they could, could not put that together. And I do want to talk about that later on with, with Kyle Shanahan, like kind of like what he's, I guess now becoming infamous for, but I just want to get your thoughts on the game, Brian. Like, I mean, it's just, just so crushing in so many ways.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a weird game because I I remember watching the game. I you know I watched it at home. It was just me, my wife, our kids. Actually, my wife's parents came over. But you know, there were there were plenty of moments against Dallas, against uh, Green Bay, and even in Week 18 against the Rams, where you know I was I, I thought I was going to have an aneurysm because I was cheering so loud because there were so many like pivotal moments that went the Forty Nineers way, and you know I I remember just reflecting on the game and going i there weren't that many there weren't that many situations you know it was the the red zone interception where i was off the couch and yelling and outside of that there just really wasn't a lot and it was because the 49ers offense you know as much as they were up 17 to 7 in that fourth quarter that offense wasn't performing well it wasn't it, it wasn't a situation where you know it was back and forth or whatever the Rams offense was getting yards, but they weren't scoring, which again, testament to D'Amico Ryan's in that defense. But the Forty ers offense, it just it was so it just felt so discombobulated. And I think it was because for the most part it was an exact it was almost a a, a script flip, if you will, from that week, what was it, six matchup? Uh where not week six, sorry. What was it? Week,
1: so week nine? Week eight. I think week eight, eight. eight. thank eight. you. Yeah. Week eight.
0: Yeah. Where, you know, the forty Nineers went on these soul crushing long drives and that's what that's what the rams were doing to the 49ers now the rams weren't converting those into points but they were keeping the defense off the field or on the field and keeping the 49ers offense off it and then the 49ers offense just couldn't find a rhythm and so you know they weren't sustaining drives they weren't they weren't really doing anything they were getting absolutely dominated in the trenches Their rushing uh, attack was nowhere to be found. Elijah Mitchell had 11 rushes for 20 yards. That's, I mean, that's never going to cut it. And for the first time since 2019, the 49ers did not have 30 rush attempts against this Rams defense. And that is always, that was always the key for this 49ers offense. And and, there's going to be lots of talk about what this offense is going to look like in the future because it does really feel like Jimmy Garoppolo is that was this last game as a, as a San Francisco 49er, but with a Garoppolo offense, they were never successful if they weren't running the ball well. And that's exactly what happened in this game. And so to be perfectly honest, the game was to as a 49er fan was a little boring to me because I didn't have a whole lot to root for. And then you know, you're like, all right, well, we're we're up seventeen to seven. Like, that's cool. And and I and I'll be perfectly honest with you, I had no reservations in the back of my mind that they were up ten going into the fourth quarter, and I didn't have any reservations that they would be able to pull this out. I didn't think, oh great, here's Kyle Shanahan with a ten point lead in the fourth quarter. Like that never entered my mind. It's just once that game ends and you go, Oh man, there was another 10 point fourth quarter lead that we couldn't capitalize on. And so it, it was a game, like I said, it was just a weird game, and, and maybe part of it was because I had a lot of confidence going into the game, right? And I've explained this I've explained this before on, on, on our own show and whatnot, but I was in incre- like I've never been more nervous for a football game than that week 18 game against the Rams, because yeah. I was just so worried that if they lost that game, I had zero desire to engage with the narratives that were going to, that were going to be a part of the 49ers offseason if they didn't make the playoffs. Then they mm-hmm. did, and I was like, cool, we're playing with house money. Then they beat the Cowboys and I was like, okay, cool. I don't have a whole lot of confidence going against the Packers. They won that game, and I'm like, wow. Well, now we play the Rams. We've beat six times previously, you know, it dominated them in, in week eight and and really dominated that second half against them in, in week eighteen. And I have a lot of confidence. I have a lot of confidence that for whatever reason this 49er squad just has the Rams number. And then the Rams came out with a better game plan on offense than the 49ers and a better cl- game plan on defense. And eventually, you know, it ends up in the way it did in this 20 to, 7, 20 to 17
1: heartbreak. Yeah. And I think there's so much to unpack with the game there. And what you said about, about Kyle and 10-point lead, I'll be honest. I, I thought about that. I thought about it. I was like, it's Kyle, another 10-point lead. Because I, I, I don't trust him in close games like this because he's inconsistent. And I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit, but but the game itself. So there's ebbs and flows to every game, right? And in, in the NFL, right? There's ebbs and flows to everything and, and there's momentum causing plays and there's momentum breaking plays. And I think that the, the Rams basically loaded nine in the box on every single play and dared the 49ers to run at it. And Kyle didn't have a plan B, right? There was no plan B. He was basically just like, okay, we're not going to actually like try to run at this. We're just going to try to throw out of it. And and I agree, like Jimmy's not that quarterback, right? He's not the quarterback that can throw 40 times and win you the game. He did an admirable job, right? With a busted up thumb and a busted up shoulder, right? He did a great job, like given the, the, what he was trying to overcome. And I will always respect him for that. But the fact is that they got away from their game plan, just like in the Super Bowl, right? They got away from their game plan in the second half. They started tr- trying to throw it every down. And that's just not going to work. You're just not that type of team. And if you are going to throw it every down, you have to be able to hit a deep ball or two, right? They only tried one deep ball, right, to Ayuk, and it was a, it was a dime. Actually, it was kind of funny. It was actually a really well thrown ball for 40 yards. to Ayuk. One of the
0: best throws that
1: Garoppolo's ever made, to be yeah, perfectly honest, in my mind. Beautiful, just down the sideline, and and Ayuk almost, you know, he almost took it to the house. He just got out of bounds and lost his balance, but just a fantastic throw. And they never went back to it after that. And to me, it's like, look. When you're in an an NFC championship game and it's literally a trip to the Super Bowl on the line, you have to empty your holster, like empty, empty your barrel, right? Like you, you, they, they kept this holster the entire game and the throw to Kittle. I mean, that's just the Jimmy Garoppolo experience, right? At the beginning, like that's a miss. That's maybe a house call. It's at least a 50 yard gain, 40 to 50 yard gain. He missed that. That's a layup. He's been missing those like all playoffs. Call it the thumb, call it the shoulder, whatever it is, right? He has one of those games, like a layup that he misses every single game, right? And that's exactly why they drafted Trey Lance, right? That's why he's here amongst other reasons. But that being said, you know, they, they tried that deep ball to Ayuk, it worked and then they never went back to it. And to me, it's like, when you're, when you're vying for that chance to go all the way, you have to be able to do things that you don't normally do. And granted the Rams have Matthew Stafford and he's a much, much better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, you know, there's no question about that, but The idea and the concept of he almost throws a pick to Tart, which we'll get into the infamous play. We'll get into that. And then the very next play, he goes right back to a deep ball to Beckham, right? The very next play, they didn't turtle up. They didn't try to run the ball. He almost threw one of the worst interceptions you will ever see anybody throw in the playoffs. And it didn't matter. They went right back to the air with it. And that's where the Niners are lacking. And that's where they, I hope they can change going forward. But like you said, like they had, the Rams had a 97 yard drive. Like that's, that's a statement drive, right. For a touchdown. And they, they were 11 of 18, 11, of 19. I believe that the 11 last of one was 18. A,
0: 11 yeah, of 11 18, yeah, 11 of
1: 18. And the last one was a kneel down. Right. So it was the, basically they were 11 of 17 on third down. And that's just not going to cut it. If you're the defense, right. The Niners defense couldn't get off the field on third down. They didn't get very much pressure on Stafford. Both did it had the one and a half sacks, but aside from that, they got no pressure on Stafford. Um, I felt like you know, they were blitzing far too much for their own good because Stafford is really good against the blitz and they're playing too soft in coverage. They just, they just didn't want to get beat. Like, this is one of those things where the Rams had several opportunities, Brian, right, to make this a a much larger lead. Well, they threw the interception in the red zone. They dropped a touchdown pass and the Cooper Cup possibly dropped another touchdown pass on a crossing pattern. So it's like the, the the this game, when you think about it, the Niners were very fortunate to be where they were And when you were put into that situation, you have to take advantage of it. And the weeks leading up to it, right? Like I was, I was, you know, my overarching feeling, despite what we're talking about today, is, is being grateful for the ride, right? Because we didn't expect them to be there. They were sitting at two and four and then three and five at one point. And we were like, these guys are done. Their season's dead. And to go from that to beating Dallas on the road, which is always fun, going into frigid Green Bay and basically either retiring Aaron Rodgers or basically ending their Aaron Rodgers era in Green Bay. Yeah, they to, stole Roger's soul in that game. Yep, absolutely. And to to going into LA, and first of all, props to the Faithful for getting down there, man. Awesome, awesome thing to see that stadium packed with majority 49ers fans, which actually kind of adds to the sting of this, right? It's kind of embarrassing, but regardless, like, awesome job, by the, the Faithful getting down there. But to go into LA, right, and be basically 12 minutes away from another Super Bowl, you know, and, and getting the matchup that you want in the Bengals, and you know, you, you got to say that, like, it was a pretty successful season. Now, you know, when you look back on it, we can kind of think about that. But like, obviously people are still pissed about the game it just happened, you know, this past week. And, you know, like the, to me, the turning point really was so w- when it got to 17, 14, I was like, okay, they're in trouble. Right. I was like, okay, they're in trouble. Cause I know this team can't finish playoff games, you know, when, when they need to right? they're not consistent like that. And when it got to 17, 14, I was like, all right, they need a drive here. They need a touchdown. A touchdown puts you back up ten. And that's basically it, right? Because it was already, you know, well into the fourth quarter by that time. They get the ball. Debo touches the ball for the last time at twelve minutes and forty something seconds in the fourth quarter. Criminal. Doesn't touch exactly. Doesn't touch the ball again. George Kittle does not touch the ball in the fourth quarter. They're running plays for uh Travis Benjamin and Kyle Juszczyk. and they're not running plays for for Debo and and Kittle. So that All of that, to me, contributed to this, but the, the game-changing sequence to me was the, tart interse- the dropped interception was part of that, but it was not the play because there's still 10 minutes left right at that time. The game-changing sequence to me was when the Niners had the ball. Debo got that first down on the screenplay. They're near midfield. Elijah Mitchell carries it for nine yards, second and one. That is where they lost the game on that second and one play. They run Elijah Mitchell up the middle again, which has not been working all game. Uh, they were hesitating to run to Trent Williams' side because he was on one leg, basically, and they were not running to the left. And when they did run to the left, they were not running well at all. He gave up the most pressures out of any offensive lineman in the, in the game. He did not have a good game, obviously, because he was hurt. And you know, some people could question, like, you know, like, all right, at some point you pull the plug on that, put McVitnes in, see what he can do. But that's Trent Williams' Hall of Famer. You can't, you can't question that.
0: Yeah, I was to say that's not. I mean, ultimately, I, I think that's actually one of the decisions that probably led to uh, this loss was allowing Trent Williams to go out there, but again, you can't, you can't not let him go out there. I mean, he's one of the best football players on the planet. And if he says he can go, then you got to let him go. But like you said, they weren't running left. They weren't, they weren't getting outside and, and, and the strength of this Rams defense, at least that line is inside. And so now you're Mm -hmm. trying to run against that and you're getting stuffed. And so you got to adapt. You got to go, you got to find something different and they never did.
1: Yeah, exactly. And they never did. And they, they got stuffed on second down. Lazar Mitchell lost a yard. So it's third and two, the biggest play of the game in my opinion was that third and two. And again, we talked off air about this and you were talking about how they sent Trent Williams as a decoy against best offensive line, best left tackle in the league right now, right? You sent him as a decoy and you have only you check in the backfield. So you know where it's going, right? And it was a draw to you check. It was telegraphed. It was a terrible play call. And I was like, okay, maybe they're going for it because the the previous two play calls, that to me shows that you're probably going on fourth down. And, you know, those those statistics and metrics and things like that, the win probability had they made that that fourth down, that fourth and two would have gone up to 72 percent. Right. And they chose to. And that's a that's a 68 percent conversion rate from that down and distance at that part of the field. And they chose to ignore the numbers. And Kyle chose to, in my opinion, cowardly punt it. and. When you're at, that, you're at that juncture in the game where you need a first down, you need points because you know the Rams' offense is going out, right? You know that you're probably not going to be able to stop them at this point. Your defense is gas. You have to keep the ball. You need at least a field goal. And when he chose to punt it from, from the 45-yard line, I was watching the game with my dad right, and, and, and my wife and, and our daughter. So I turned to my dad who was sitting beside me and like, I wonder how many plays it's going to take them to get past the point that they would have gotten the ball had the Niners not made, made it. At the 45 yard line. Exactly. One play took the one play to pass that point. And that was absolutely the wrong call. Kyle should have gone for it because you know what, if you have confidence in your defense, which you should, because it's the number three ranked defense in the league and the best defense left in the playoffs, they were going to stop them. And to not number one, not go for it there. And number two, not give Debo the ball in that sequence. Absolutely criminal. You gave the ball to him in Green Bay when you needed seven yards on third and seven. You gave him the ball on an on an even longer down and distance and an even more unlikely scenario in the snow when they knew he was getting it. You needed two yards. And you don't give your best player the ball. And to me, this is it's just such a troubling pattern with Kyle. It happened in the Super Bowl, too. It's just such a, tr- a troubling pattern with him when he doesn't get his playmakers the ball. Look, what happened with the Rams? They needed to play. Who'd they get the ball to? Cooper Cup. Odell Beckham. Their stars are making plays. Give the ball to your stars. And they don't do that. And then we know they punt. Jaquaski Tart has the dropped interception. And at that point, Brian, I kid you not. At that point, I was like, that's it. That's a wrap. They're going to lose this game. Even though they still have the lead, I was like, he had to make that play because that was a momentum changer. And it was just crushing that he did not. And props to him for owning that and everything. Like I think that he's a really great person and a really great leader. And I want him back on the team. But as a player, I, just, I still can't believe he dropped that. Like You will not see an easier interception in your life. And I'm
0: and and I'm certain that he can't believe that he dropped that right. And you know, ultimately, those defensive players, those defensive backs, they're playing defensive back for a reason, right? Because they Mm -hmm. they don't have the ball skills to play wide receiver. But but yeah, I agree with you. And and Kyle Shanahan even said like the 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 game the game shifted and the game turned on that sequence, right? That that second and one, third and two, punt, dropped interception, and then that thirty plus yard completion to Beckham. Where he gets that fifteen yard, uh, was a unsportsmanlike conduct helmet to yeah. helmet or whatever fifteen yard penalty on Ward again. I, and we said this off here. I don't blame Ward for that. Ward was going in for that tackle. He was going in low. It just so happened that uh, OBJ lost his balance and was going to the ground. And so as you know, as he's going down and Ward gets there, they just meet at the same time. Like I'm, mm-hmm. it, it, Ward's going to make that play every time, and and I don't I don't fault him for that. But yeah, I agree with you and. I think I think the issue is Kyle Shanahan just outsmarts himself sometimes. And I think Mm -hmm. he he gets too cute by half, right? Like you have this play that you ran in Green Bay the week prior twice, where you had Trent Williams as uh as a pulling I I don't even know what you would call him, you know, the fullback, Mm -hmm. whatever. You have it twice, right? And so you think, all right, well, in this game. We're going to use that as a decoy. But that only works as a decoy if you've got someone other than Kyle Juszczyk in the backfield. Because yeah. once you send him in motion, no one believes that Kyle Juszczek is running outside. He's mm-hmm. not an outside runner. So if all he if he's the only guy in the backfield, there the Trent Williams means nothing. That right. window dressing means nothing because it doesn't fool the defense at all. And I think if if you were to ask Kyle Shanahan, he would say, Yeah, that was the wrong play and you know you you brought up that debo play and and after that game he said look we knew that it was four down territory so we were going to give it to debo and hope that it just got to fourth and manageable and then debo did debo things and he got the first down but mm-hmm. the fact that the fact that you didn't think at third and 2 this is four down territory it, it just kind of baffles me and and what he said in in the press conference yesterday was that cuz chris Biederman of of the sacramento b I basically asked him like essentially what's the deal on fourth down and are you going to look at in that at, at that in the offseason and Shanahan has always been open about it being really more of a gut call for him than anything which I mean you can you can argue and I think it's interesting uh Ben Solak of the Ringer uh on their uh NFL uh Ringer NFL show their their post game show on Sunday they were talking about that fourth down decision and and talking about how McVeigh is a poor in-game manager, Shanahan's a poor in-game manager, Reed's a poor in-game manager, right? And you look at all of these coaches, what do they all have in common? Well, they're also the play caller. And so I kind of I kind of wonder if part of why Kyle Shanahan is 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 a poor in-game manager is because if you're the play caller, your your headspace is somewhere else, right? Like you you're trying to get in this zone. You're trying to get in the zone where, you know, and especially with with Shanahan and and McVeigh and those guys where they are they are they are calling plays now to affect the game, you know, two quarters from now or whatever the case may be, right? Like they're setting up specific plays right now that they want to be able to hit later. And so, you know, that that focus that you have to have in order to do that kind of pulls your focus from the game itself. And so, I often wonder if if maybe that's part of the issue, but but yeah, that fourth down to not go for it on fourth down. You're right. I think it was I think it was a cowardly move and 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 that's the one thing with Shanahan that that it kind of his pattern has been he's not an aggressive coach right he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't go for the kill shot he doesn't go for he plays a little timid and right so he's got a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter and he's like I just got to sit on this lead and it's like if you sit on leads in the NFL those leads go away like what like you've got to continue to score points and And part of it, I think, is by not going out on fourth down, you're also saying, look, I don't trust my offense. I don't trust my quarterback. I don't trust my offensive line. And for whatever reason, I don't trust my playmakers, Debo and George Kittle, because I feel like most coaches would put the ball in in one of those players' hands, and he didn't put it in any of those players' hands. And it just, like you said, it just doesn't make sense.
1: Unbelievable. And it's unbelievable that he would he would not get it to either one of those guys in that situation. Like, you know, in when you're when you're towards the end of the game and you need a play, you give it to your best players. Like any every team does that. Every single team does that, except for the 49ers. And I don't know why they don't do that. And it's funny because you'll see flashes of this during this during the regular season where or even the Green Bay game where Kyle gave it to Debo at the end of the game just to ice the game, right? You'll see flashes of it, but when it comes down to it, and when it comes down to the most important games, Kyle, like he forgets, you know. It's like there's this wild inconsistency with his play calling and his his game plans. Like the game plan was not good, right? It was decided. I think one thing we can we can agree on is that the game, the offensive game plan against the Rams was very very poor compared to what Kyle is capable of. And there was there was very little misdirection. There was there were no trick plays. There were no Debo sweeps. It was just like a straight up game plan, very much like the Super Bowl. Like I said, like the beginning of the Super Bowl, like he he kind of came out with a couple of wrinkles. You didn't see any of that in this game right? Like week 18, like Debo threw a touchdown pass, right? They had had that game. And Kyle, you know, he dialed that up and they had to have it. And it's just, you just don't see enough of that from him. And the, 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 there's the excuse that he doesn't trust his quarterback and things like that. But like, you know, when it comes down to it, man, like you chose to bring him back. And if you didn't trust him that much, why did you bring him back to run your offense? Like you, you could have, you could have just rolled with Trey all year. You had his replacement there. And to me, it's like at some point you have to get over the fact that you don't trust your QB and put it in his hands. And yes, Jimmy made some absurd decisions, some stupid decisions in the playoffs, right? Yes, he did that. That's the Jimmy Garoppolo experience though, right? You know who he is. This is your fifth season with him. That's what you you signed up for. Exactly. That's exactly what you signed up for. So to me, all this stuff about like, oh, he doesn't trust him. That's That may be true, but that's still on Kyle because he chose to bring him back. Now, when you're looking at, how they and, and it's funny because the game managing thing I've been a, I've been a critic of his for a while now right because he just doesn't manage games well I I'm basically starting to think of him as like a skinny Andy Reid at this point before Mahomes and when Andy Reid sure. was the Eagles and he couldn't get over the hump right because he would mismanage games or like you know Marty Schottenheimer right really good coach but just couldn't get over the hump and to me I feel like the only reason Andy Reid has a ring by the way screw the Chiefs I'm glad they lost I'm glad to see Joe Burrow in the in the in the Super Bowl is fantastic. Um, But the reason why the Niners lost or Andy Reid won a Super Bowl, I should say, is because he played a coach who is worse at game managing than he is. That's the reason why he has a ring. Otherwise, Andy Reid does not have a ring, right? So regardless, like the game plan wasn't good. I would have loved to see like, Brian, like, would it kill them to run a play, like put Debo in the backfield and run play action off of that? Would it kill them to do that? Why do they not do that? I have talked
0: about this. (laughs) I've talked about this ad nauseum. I don't like everybody knows when Debo's in the backfield, the ball is going to him on a Mm -hmm. run play. Everybody knows that all the fans in the stands, all the fans at home, the defensive coordinator, the other team, everybody knows it's going to Debo. Now it's impressive that for the most part, they still can't stop it. So -hmm. that's great. But I don't understand why you don't take advantage of that. And, you know, I, Kyle Shanahan has talked a lot about how much he loves Jimmy, how much he loves coaching Jimmy, how much he, you know, he has talked up Jimmy and that's, that's great. I, I have a hard time taking Kyle Shanahan and his word because his actions tell me something completely different. His actions tell me that he doesn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. His actions tell me that he doesn't think that as a team that they can sustain any kind of success if they get behind in any regard, right? Which is why it's a ball control offense which is why you know they they make it a goal to run the ball 30 plus times a game they make that goal because it it limits Jimmy Garoppolo's exposure right mm-hmm. the less times that Jimmy Garoppolo throws the ball the better for the 49ers that's not a yeah. winning formula that's not a winning formula in today's NFL it yeah. is a successful formula and they succeeded this season but Jimmy Garoppolo is the type of of quarterback where he has to have everything go perfect Mm -hmm. around him in order to succeed it's it i like to say you can win with jimmy garoppolo you can't win because of jimmy garoppolo right and there have been a couple of times where where he has he has shown that that you know he has that capability but we still point to the same games all the time right like they go oh well what about that saints game well yeah that saints game was impressive we're also talking about 2019 right and so yeah, it it just seems like and and I agree with you. I think he I think he is earning the reputation that Andy Reid used to have. And the thing that is and the only way that he's going to overcome that reputation is by winning the big game, just like Andy Reid. Like nobody talks about Andy Reed's game management anymore because he won the big one, right? It hasn't kept him anymore. It hasn't kept him from the mountaintop. And mm-hmm. so do do I think that Kyle Shanahan is a bad coach is he an inept coach absolutely not but 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 and 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 fair or not he is going to have to talk about that perception of him as a as a coach that can't win the big game even though you know that that 28 to 3 super bowl situation sure he was the offensive coordinator but 28 to 3 right 20 Mm -hmm. 25 point lead and that defense gave it up okay so let's not just put that on Kyle Shanahan's shoulders. And then in the, in the Super Bowl, you earned that one, right? You, yeah. you started being conservative and the chiefs came back and, and, and maybe you trusted your defense too much, but ultimately I think it was, I'm scared of my quarterback. And then we see it again this season. So it'll be interesting to see what these game management situations look like with a different quarterback now, right? Cause we're just so used to him managing games with Jimmy Garoppolo as his quarterback. And maybe that will change, but I'm, I don't know, but you look at a, at a situation like third and two, if you have Trey Lance in there, maybe he's the one that gets you those two yards. Right. And so, you know, it's, it, there's going to be, there are going to be different dynamics that go into some of these decisions that he makes when he has somebody else under center. And so what I'm excited about is to see, is this a Kyle Shanahan issue or is this a Kyle Shanahan with Jimmy Garoppolo issue? I don't I don't know that we know that answer until we see
1: more of it. Yeah, I think so I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest. And as we kind of transition away from the game and talk about uh Kyle and Jimmy now, I, I think that the Super Bowl is kind of a unique thing, right? I think that was like yeah, that was a team collapse, just like, you know, the Niners, you know, Kyle has to wear that, but like, yeah, the defense gave up twenty one points, right, against against Kansas City in a six minute span. And I've never seen that happen in the Super Bowl ever, right? So That's that. And again, like in this scenario, like while the defense was, was, you know, did they did most for the most part did their part. They were still giving up points every time the Rams touched the ball, right? They give up two field goals and a touchdown in the fourth quarter on on the three drives that they had before the, before the kneel down. And uh, again, like those collapses don't happen unless it's the entire team, right? That's the truth, right? Everything has to go wrong for you for collapses like that to happen. But as a head coach, you have to wear that. And when looking at what, you know, obviously we're not a we're not a falcons or patriots podcast so we don't want to get too deep into that but like what happened that day in the super bowl they needed one drive right at the very end of the game it was four minutes left they needed a drive to get three points on the board and then make new england use their timeouts and then all of a sudden brady doesn't have timeouts and he has to go and get two scores plus a two to, to win the game right Plain percentages kyle gets pass happy. And we, we know that we know the end, right? Like all I need to do is essentially even just kneel down three times and kick a field goal. And the game is basically like almost out of reach. So that's that the end of that game is on, you know, it's, it's also on him as well. He wears that. So it's like those tendencies have crept into his like head coaching as well in those big games. And, and that's the issue that I see. And Kyle's notoriously stubborn, right? Notoriously stubborn. We know he's arrogant. We know he thinks he's always right. Chris Sims said as much a few years ago when Kyle was hired. Uh, he said he thinks he's always right and, and that's, that works in his benefit and against him. So in this situation, like I really feel like, and, and again, like we all know Jimmy Garoppolo is limited, right? By this point, like he is what he is. He's, he wasn't magically going to put together a, t- a two game stretch where he was just bulletproof. Like we know that he is what he is. But that being said, if you look at what he was in 2017 and, and even the beginning of 2018, if you look at what he was, he was a completely different quarterback. He was a completely different football player. And to me, as as we talk about Jimmy not being on the 49ers anymore and his press conference and all this stuff, that that really I don't know, I, it kind of got me the feels, right? Like he was just like it, just kind of made me oh, feel up bad at right? the end. I choked yeah. up at the end. I didn't, right? I didn't shed a
0: tear, but there was that lump in my throat. Like he right? said, "So see ya," and I was like, "Oh
1: oh oh oh, I gotta fake this back," but yeah, it was yep. definitely had me in my feels for sure. Yeah, and I'm glad I'm not the only one that felt that, right? Because it's it's funny because I like I feel like you know, like I'm very much pro Jimmy and I feel like you're more towards the middle, but like we both felt that same sort of way about him, right? Despite viewing him differently. And to me, like, I feel like his, his tenure here, it's, it was a really difficult situation for everybody because they didn't really do anything to develop him. He was very much like a rookie when he came here, right? Two starts. Yes. He had the four years behind Brady, but like, you know, he he didn't have the experience and he came out in those five starts here and it lit everything on fire. And we were like, wow, this guy's a real deal. This guy's amazing. And came out in the, the first game against Minnesota. And like, you know, little mistakes there, here and there. And like, didn't have a great game against the Lions in the second half. And, and against the Chiefs, he was pretty good. But the defense was not there that day. And and then he got he had the ACL after that. So then his first full season was 2019. And by that time, Kyle had already put the handcuffs on, right? Like, he'd already basically said, like, you're going to manage just games and this and that. And they started the season out 8-0. And at that point, you're not going to develop your quarterback at that point. you're You're going for, like, a championship at that point, right? So I, I really feel for, for both sides in this case, because it was a tough situation. Uh, Kyle basically saw what Jimmy did not do well. And he was like, I'm just going to rip up that part of the playbook. We're just not going to work on it. And you're going to work with like a subset of plays, a subset of playbook. And we're just going to iterate on that for however long, it, you know, it, it's going to be that you're here. And I think that as a result, Jimmy got worse as he progressed along here. And as a result, you know, he is what he is now. Like, Kyle didn't really do anything to develop him. Now, Jimmy didn't help that because he was always hurt or he was hurt for significant portions of time. And you can't develop a player who's on the bench or, or injured. But going forward now, as we look to like, you know, the Trey Lance era, I hope that Kyle doesn't put the handcuffs on him. And when Trey, because Trey will struggle, he's going to go through his growing pains, right? And I'm a Trey Lance guy, right? I love Trey. So me saying that, it's hard for me to say, but he's going to go through his growing pains. And Kyle has to have that patience. To let him work through that and not basically like take the ball out of his hands, which is the easy thing to do, and I I don't know if Kyle has that in him. We'll see. I don't know if he has that in him. So, you know, I'm thankful for what Jimmy did. Like he 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 helped bring this this team back, right? That's two two deep playoff runs in the two years that he was starting for the most of the season or the full season, right? And that's no accident. He won a lot of games when he was here, and I know that people want to say wins are a, a team stat, but you don't win that many games with just like a mediocre garbage quarterback, right? He did bring something to the table, right? You can't hide your quarterback for, you know, two seasons worth of deep playoff runs, right? He does contribute and he does enable the team to do certain things. And, you know, a lot of the backlash that he got from people, a lot of the criticism to me was unfair. And you hear a lot of the same people that just like, you know, took a dump on him. Now they're all of a sudden thankful. Like, oh, I'm so thankful for what Jimmy brought. But bro, you spent the last two and a half years dumping on him and gaining followers for your your whatever content you create or whatever fan account you have or whatever it is right from dumping on him and now all of a sudden you're thankful well yeah you should be thankful cuz you got followers because of him but you know the, the the looking back at the big picture you know he was the consummate pro never caused any problems in the locker room like a fantastic leader if if his heart translated into his play he would be one of the best quarterbacks in this league right now you know oh, no and, doubt no doubt just a fantastic leader. And you know, there's you, you. couldn't ask more in terms of like from a leadership and intangible standpoint, you could not ask for more. He was limited as a player, say what you want about him as a player, but as a person and as a leader, you could not have asked for a better person to be in this situation because nobody would handle this situation like this, Brian, knowing that you're going to be gone this year. Every single other quarterback in the league will give a big middle finger to Kyle and John Lynch and be like, I'm out of here, trade me. But Jimmy didn't. He stayed here and he helped bring the team to a championship game, which is unbelievable. So I think that was the season because of that was a wild success. It was a circus last offseason, and they, they ended up getting so far despite that.
0: Yeah. And I think ultimately as a fan, if you just step back and, and you look at it and I, I tweeted this uh, earlier this week, I said, you can acknowledge the limitations that Jimmy Garoppolo uh, placed upon this offense by being the quarterback of, of, of this offense, right. In, in terms of throwing outside the numbers throwing deep down the field whatever the case may be you can acknowledge that and you can be excited about trey without like you said dumping on jimmy garoppolo on his way out Mm -hmm. because ultimately you're right when jimmy garoppolo was in the game the 49ers were winning and and to me a lot of that you know people people point to that and they especially those that are like ardent jimmy defenders right um you know, they point to, well, look how much the 49ers won. And, and, and sometimes I push back on that and I go, you're right. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is a, tw- is a top 20 quarterback in the NFL. I, I will, you argue with a wall if you think that, that he's worse than that, right? He's a top 20 quarterback. So what you're saying is, if Jimmy, if, if Kyle Shanahan has at least a top 20 quarterback, then, then the 49ers are going to succeed at, at quite the clip, right? Mm-hmm. And so what's exciting to me is, Jimmy Garoppolo is a top 20 quarterback, but he does not have the physical skill set to really, to really take his game up to another level. Jimmy Garoppolo is who Jimmy Garoppolo is. Mm -hmm. It's likely, it's not likely that he's going to get better, right? His physical skills are what they are. A lightning quick release, moxie to throw it over the middle. And, you know, and and that, and, and you can see that play out through his entire uh, tenure with, with the 49ers. But what he's not is uh, he's, he's, he's not aggressive enough to throw it down the field, um, and I don't know if that is it, it, him understanding his own limitations or just a, a, a fear of, of messing up in the big moment. I have no idea. You'd have to mm-hmm. ask Jimmy Garoppolo that, but for the most part, he's not, he's, he, he is not open to those deeper uh, parts of the field. But I think for a lot of people, and I I got a lot of perspective, Uh, Jordan Elliott, who writes about the 49ers for Niners Nation, he's Splash Cousin on Twitter, Um, he tweeted something out and I was like, man, that just gave me a ton of perspective. And he said, the biggest mistake he made while covering the 49ers is getting way too caught up in the bad Jimmy Garoppolo to the point that it allowed him to overshadow the objectively good things he does as a quarterback. And it made me really kind of step back and go, all right, there are lots of good things that Jimmy does as a quarterback, lots of things that will help his team win. And so I think sometimes we just get so caught up in, yeah, but he throws the interception or, yeah, but he makes the bad decision. And it's like, you're right. He does do those things. And you're, as a fan of whatever team he's playing for, you know, as a Niner fan, whatever team he's going to play for next year, you're going to have to accept that, yeah, he's going to make a boneheaded decision. At some point during the game, right. the question is: Is your team good enough to overcome that? And for the most part, the 49ers have been. On Sunday, they were not, and so that's kind of where we are. And and honestly, that boneheaded decision that he made came at the end, right? They they were already down. The game was and over. the game was, and yeah, the was game, done. yeah. and was and done. you know and and the, the 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 offensive line was not going to be able to pass protect well enough for them to throw the ball down the field and, and, and get a drive that was going to get them in, in, in field goal range or a, a touchdown. And so, you know, and, and also that ball hit hasty in the hands. So there's also that, you <laughs> nobody, know, nobody mentions hands. that,
1: nobody yeah. mentions that, right? Like literally, first of right. all, it, it's kind of funny. Cause, cause at that point I was just like, okay, this thing is over because again, just like the super bowl the offensive line couldn't protect at the end. They were just getting killed on seven of his last nine dropbacks. He was pressured. Right. On, on Every time. Yeah. And yeah. Kittle said that in his press conference too. At the end, he was like, like, because people were saying like, you know, why didn't you get the ball? Kittle was like, I was running my route. And by the time I turned around, Jimmy was already running for his life. So it's like, you, you, you can't win that way. And that last play to me, it was kind of funny. Cause I was like, you know, again, turned my dad I was like, watch, he's going to throw a pick and everybody's going to focus on that. Like a desperation pick when it's basically all said and done. And everybody's going to focus on that and say he sucks because he threw a pick in the championship game, right? At the end of the game and quote unquote, lost them the game, even though the game was already almost decided. And that's exactly what happened, right? The backhand, like whatever behind his back flip, which somehow still hit the target. It was kind of funny to me now that I, now that you look back on it, like, how did you, how did you, your back was to the play? Like, how did you get that ball to him? And it hits off of in his hands.
0: And it, yeah. yeah. Like not, and, and again, he didn't have to, I mean, he had to jump a little bit, but it hit him right in the hands. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, again, but you know who else threw an interception? Matthew Stafford, and they won yeah. the game. So, and he almost threw
1: a, he almost threw an even worse right. one. Right, to, exactly. Tatar. To, to
0: exactly. So, you know what are we what are we arguing about there? You know exactly. And, and I I tweeted out prior to the game. I said my bold prediction for the game was that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't going to throw an interception, and it almost came true. And I was like, oh man, true. I really <laughs> I really wish at the very least, even though they didn't win the game, I wish that would have come true. But yeah, so you know ultimately. Jimmy Garoppolo is limited in his skill set, but he's still a good quarterback. And that's, I think people lose sight of that. And, and, you know, I, I've been thinking, you know, as, as we move into the off season, like what are some destinations for Jimmy? And, you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of teams out there that are, are looking for a quarterback. And so, you know, I, I think he's going to end up in a good situation. And so, you know, I, I think about like the bucks, I'm like, well, that doesn't really work. He's not no risk it, no biscuit. You know, Mm -hmm. he doesn't have that mindset for Bruce Arians, Mm -hmm. but you know, you look at new Orleans, that could be a nice landing spot for him. I honestly, I think the perfect spot for him is Pittsburgh because it's very similar to his situation in Mm -hmm. San Francisco, a very good defense, really good skill position players, a solid run game. They need to upgrade the offensive line there. And, Mm -hmm. and so I don't know if, if trading for $25 million, Jimmy Garoppolo is financially works for them. I haven't really looked at it, but. I think that's a spot that would be good for him. I think Washington could be good, but ultimately, I think the best spot for him is Pittsburgh. But and then I also I really for whatever reason and and they're in cap purgatory, so New Orleans probably isn't the 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 spot. But my, Michael Thomas feels like a perfect Jimmy Garoppolo compliment, right? Like, totally. yeah, just a, totally. a, a a possession receiver that that goes over the middle, has no fear, and mm-hmm. catches everything that comes his way, whether it's on target or not. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I I I. I will look back fondly on Jimmy Garoppolo and the Jimmy Garoppolo era. I will not look fondly on 2018 and I will not look fondly on 2020, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, when Jimmy Garoppolo started the 49ers won, and, and as a fan, that's all I can ask for. 68%
1: Sixty-eight percent of their games, right? And wh- whether he no, gets credit? No,
0: 69, 69 nice. which is perfect for Jimmy Garoppolo. Nice, per- per- <laughs> perfect for Jimmy Garoppolo. Nice,
1: uh, handsome devil. He, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss that jawline. But uh, yeah, yeah it's, for sure. it's funny that 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 you bring that up. That you know how people will, you know, kind of look back on this and they'll reflect on his his time here. I think I tweeted out earlier that I think that it's going to be similar to how Alex Smith was viewed, where for you know six years they couldn't stand him right? Like people, I would say for five years, cause after the, the first year he was a rookie or whatever. But after that year, people couldn't stand him because Aaron Rodgers was there and all this stuff. And and they didn't get him. And especially after Rodgers started starting people extra couldn't stand Alex Smith. But now we look back on it and we're like, man, I love that guy. Like he, he blew the foghorn at the stadium at Levi's stadium and he got a standing ovation, right? Like I never thought that that would happen for Alex Smith. I'm, I, I loved Alex Smith, right? Cause I always thought he got a raw deal with the seven different coordinators seven years. Harbaugh saved him by the way. Uh, breaking news as, the, as the, the, I mean, it'll be old when people hear the podcast, but as of the recording of this podcast early on this week, Jim Harbaugh is not going to the Minnesota Vikings. He is staying I, in Michigan.
0: As I say, I just saw that. And, and now Kevin O'Connell, the, o, uh, the OC for the Rams has uh, emerged as the leading candidate.
1: Perfect. Good. We can, we can uh, division, division rival, but yeah, I think that, you know, the people will look back on his tenure here with much more fond memories. And it's funny. Cause like, you know, they, they, Jordan owned up to it, right? Like Jordan and, and, and Rich and those guys in that corner of 49ers Twitter, like they've, they've been harsh on Jimmy, right? They've killed him, right? And and they've subsequently built up a following based off of that, right? So that's business as usual for them, right? But I think that, you know, respect to Jordan for admitting that. And there have been a couple other people who were harsh on Jimmy that admitted that like, hey, maybe I was too harsh on him. And I, and I appreciate that, right? That people are, are owning up to that. And I think that more people will kind of come around and more people will realize that, hey, He was actually a damn good quarterback for us, and he was a damn good leader. And they won a lot when he was here, far more than you know any other quarterback after Steve Young. And I think that's a huge testament to to the the person that Jimmy is, and to Kyle for making it work, and to John Lynch for acquiring him in the first place. But now going forward, it's it's Trey season, right? It's Trey Lance era, and he's going into his first off season as the guy. The playbook and the scheme will be tailored to him because there's not a two different quarterback system now. He is the guy, unless there's some crazy thing that happens where they where they where they pick up Aaron Rodgers or the Jimmy trade falls through. By the way, I I had my money on Pittsburgh. Um, I, okay. I live next I live next door to a Steelers fan, and I've been telling him I've been telling him for months, like my neighbor, I've been telling him for months, I'm like you're getting Jimmy, like he's he's going there. Ben retires, Jimmy's going to go there, and I think on the show about a month and a half ago, Alan, and I were talking about potential destinations. New Orleans was one, obviously that was the obvious one, but it's going to be Pittsburgh because most likely uh, I think because it's out of conference, they're in win now mode. They have Deontay Johnson, Juju. They have really good tight ends. They have Harris. They have a good, a pretty decent offensive line. They have everything there, and they have a fantastic. Yeah, their defense.
0: window, their window is open now, and I think yeah. that's you got to make decisions. Uh, you know, with that in mind, and so yeah, I I agree with you. I think that's the perfect landing spot for him, and you know the question obviously will come down to um uh compensation right and yeah. i and and the thing is is are there going to be com- uh i saw uh, a buddy of mine sent me a link to a tweet earlier from uh Matt Lombardo not Matt or Mike Lombardi but um or <laughs> David Lombardi um but they said that the Steelers the Broncos And the Buccaneers are thought of as the three front runners for a Jimmy Garoppolo trade. And, you know, I think the Broncos could be one, especially if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, which I, I I mean, it, it feels like, it feels like it's tailored, like the, the, the road has been paved for Aaron Rodgers to end up in Denver. But I mean, obviously there's a lot that goes into that. But with Nathaniel Hackett coming from Green Bay and, and, and running that, Shanahan style offense, though Hackett also has experience in other offenses. But Jimmy Garoppolo would be, you know, for the most part, a a kind of a plug and play situation as well. But you know, I think with a new head coach, it doesn't make quite as much sense because he's going to want to bring somebody in that outside of Aaron Rodgers would be with him for a while. And and Jimmy Mm Garoppolo is already thirty, and and I don't know if you'd think that he's the long term answer. But like you said, in Pittsburgh, they're in win now mode, so I. I, and I would love to see him there because I, just like Alex Smith, I a hundred percent am going a root for Jimmy Garoppolo to succeed wherever he goes, just as long as they're not playing the 49ers.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And you know that that game is going to come on the schedule, right? Where the Niners play the, the Steelers and it's going to be a yeah. motivation for everybody. Yeah. Right. But for sure. But for, sure. You know, for me, for me, Brian, like honestly, like I'm, I, I, I was really sad about Jimmy, like more sad than I should be about a player leaving because like, he's such a good guy, right? Like such a good dude. He was a great teammate, and I think that the attachment that the the that most of the fans had to him was the fact that like he was kind of the central figure in this turnaround, right? Like that's the moment that you could point to. the The acquisition of Jimmy Garoppolo on Halloween of 2017 was the moment where we're like, all right, you know, we're back, right? Because and immediately he won those games. We're like, all right, we're really back. And then he gets hurt, and then you know that season's kind of a mess. But then. When he's, oh no, when he's, we
0: suck again. <laughs> we suck again, but
1: then like 2019 comes and then like, all right, we're back, right? And then 2020 was a, was a revenge tour. So every other year they're failing, right? So maybe next year's down year. hopefully not. But I'm, I'm thankful for his tenure. I'm thankful that we have a replacement plan in place with Trey. And, and I, I really think Trey's going to be a star. It's just up to Kyle to develop him, right? Trey has all the tools. He can make all the throws. He can, he can run like a gazelle. He is incredibly strong. He can throw from the pocket. He can throw on the run. He is an in- off-the-charts, intelligent person. So there's no excuse that the quarterback limits me anymore, right? Like, now it's like, all right, Kyle has to bring it now because there is no buffer anymore. And he is quite literally the hand-picked sort of successor. And at this point, like, for Kyle Shanahan, like, you better put up or shut up, right? You, you got to get over that hump. And I'm not saying Kyle should be fired or anything. Like, I'm not saying at all, like, Kyle's a fantastic coach. He should not be fired. But what I'm saying is that at this point, Kyle doesn't have any reason to not open up his playbook, right? And to not really go after it. And what you see in next year and the transformation that Debo had this year in Elijah Mitchell's immersions, and now we've seen two straight really good seasons from Brandon Ayuk, you have something there now. Now Trey just has to be groomed and the, the championship window is now. He's being dropped into a championship caliber team. That's the best scenario in the, out of all these rookie quarterbacks. He is in the best scenario to succeed right now because they have the best team. So oh, yeah, uh, there's,
0: there's not a, there's not a situation in the league for a young quarterback better than the San Francisco 49ers with the offensive line. They have, they have George Kittle, they have Debo, they have Brandon. Ayuk, they've got Elijah Mitchell. They've got Juwan Jennings. I think the one thing, I think the one thing that the offense needs, and now that Trey is going to be the trigger man of it, I do think they need a field stretcher. And yeah. I don't know if that means that they, they kind of convert Ayuk's role into more of that. Cause I think he could be. Or if they just go out and they get a burner, right? And and mm-hmm. I think, you know, like Kyle had Taylor Gabriel in Atlanta and, you know, he's brought in, you know, he had Marquise Goodwin when, when he first got here and mm-hmm. and he brought in Travis Benjamin who, or, or, you know, the ghost of Travis Benjamin, if you want to call it <laughs> that. But I, I think they need that field stretcher. And I think that's the last, I think that's the missing piece. Yeah. And then it just becomes like, you know you know just and and that and that and that guy could literally just be decoys right that just mm-hmm. clear out routes that are opening up the, underneath for for Trey but also you want to be able to take advantage of that howitzer that he has uh, attached to his shoulder so mm-hmm. you know I, I i agree with you i'm i'm incredibly excited i you know i i said last time i i was on board with starting Trey Lance day 1 and and mm-hmm. i know that he wasn't ready and i i never claimed that he was ready but what i claimed was the only way that he's going to get better is if he plays. And so it does, it does seem, though, at, at, at least for me, I was very encouraged by the growth that he displayed from that week uh, five matchup against the Cardinals to, mm-hmm. to that matchup against the Texans. It was night and day. And you know, don't, don't argue with me that it was against the Texans. Okay, fine. It was against the Texans. You're right. You know what the Texans did the week before? They beat the Los Angeles Chargers who are quarterbacked by Justin Herbert, who is one of the best young arms in the NFL. Not only that, but they intercepted him twice and, and, and made him look really bad. It was one of his worst games of the year. And so they were coming off that performance coming up against Trey Lance and he still performed the way that he did. So yeah, again, the, the growth that he showed tells me that, that there's a lot there. There is a lot there that is untapped. There's a lot there that, when he has an off season where he's the man that everything that is that is everything that's happening is happening to get him ready to play man the sky's the limit for the kid
1: Just gotta pray pray to the football gods that he stays healthy right that's all and i think that when, going forward when it when it comes to trey look looking forward to next season and we will have an off season show and we'll have a next season show as well that we preview everything but like initially Looking forward to the the opponents that they're going to face. There's going to be at least at least five brand new head coaches on the teams that they face next year. So so that's five games against rookie head coaches that you have uh, on a team that is basically ripe right now. So really, again, it comes down to what Trey can do, staying healthy, number one, and Kyle kind of like understanding what his strengths and weaknesses are. Right, I feel like in that Arizona game, Kyle didn't really know how to use him. Right, because we don't really know. Trey. Had no idea. He literally had no idea. And those nine design runs where he was just like using it as a battering ram—it's like no. And and what happened? Trey got hurt. So the the Houston game I think was important, just as important for Kyle as it was for Trey, because they're learning to basically kind of mesh with each other. And specifically in the second half of that Houston game is really when you saw like progressions from Trey, right? That's right, really when right. you saw like him take some big leaps. And we we started to think, okay, like now you see that him flashing that potential that we all hoped he would have. So. Really, again, like it, it's it's a team in transition. I'm I'm super excited for the future, and you know the sky's the limit. So, do you have do you have any final sort of things before we kind of sign off for for this week? Do you have any final sort of thoughts for our listeners?
0: No, I just think you know I I appreciate having this conversation about Jimmy Garoppolo because I do think that there was a, a narrative out there, and and I I'll be honest, I probably played a role in it a little bit uh, in terms of the the negative the negative views of Jimmy Garoppolo, but you know, when you step back and, and you kind of actually put some thought and, and reflection into what Jimmy Garoppolo gave to this 49ers franchise, I, I think you can't have anything but respect and admiration for who he was as a player, but also who he was as a leader. And, you know, grown men don't go to bat for other grown men if there isn't a reason. And his teammates went to bat for him all the time. You know, mm-hmm. Debo went to bat for him. Kittle went to bat for him. Trent Williams went to bat for him you know, members of the defense, Fred Warner, Jimmy Ward, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen if there isn't a reason. And the reason is, is because he was a respected leader. He was a great dude. And he kept that, he kept that locker room together. And and I think that's going to be a component that will be interesting to monitor moving forward. You know, Trey Lance is, Trey Lance is 21 years old, right? He'll be 22 by the time the season starts. But we're talking about, you know, what, what does, what is a 22 year old going to do and 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 how is a twenty two year old going to lead someone like Trent Williams? Right, where right. like if I was if I was Trey Lance, I would be so intimidated by Trent Williams. <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> I don't like how do I even approach you? You are a human being who murders people on the football field. Like mm-hmm. what do I do? Right. So it'll be interesting. But that is again one of the things that that uh, Kyle and John talked about was the leadership qualities that that Trey possesses and just the overall charisma and and magnetism that his personality has kyle talked about that he said you know people are drawn to him and so Mm. for for the head coach to recognize that and see that that's important and so you know jimmy garoppolo has a lot of fans in that locker room and it's it's gonna be a difficult transition but i think i think trey has the maturity and the the emotional intelligence to be able to do it and then those physical tools again are off the charts i think one of the best things that happened to him was getting popped on the goal line yeah. uh, in 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 Arizona for him to be like oh yeah this isn't D2 i can't run through most of these guys i can run through some of them but i can't run through most of them and and so you know I, I don't remember seeing any of that against Houston i don't think i don't remember him trying to take on anybody you know and so learning to slide learning to protect his body and and then you know just go hog wild and and i'm just excited i'm excited and you know, it, this, the, it, it hurts to, to lose in the, in the NFC championship game. It hurts even worse to lose to the Rams, but ultimately this was a successful season.
1: It was a hell of a ride and uh, I'm ready for 2022. Yeah, I think, and that's very well put. And I think that nobody was really having this season to be like, oh, this it's an all in season, right? We knew, we knew it was a transition season. For whatever it may have been, maybe some of us thought that Trey would start right away and we had transition season. Maybe some of us thought that, well, they may not get that far because Jimmy's not that good, right? And, and it, was, it was never about winning a Super Bowl this year. This was about, number one, developing Trey, which they did to a certain extent. Maybe the mental reps, reps will help, plus the small portion of physical reps that he had on the field. But largely, this was one of those seasons where the Niners were just trying to trying to get as far as they could, and they got to the championship game. So again, they'll be in the mix, and this is a really good team. And they're in a really tough division, right? Three of those teams made the playoffs, right? And now one of them's going to the Super Bowl. So again, like you have to have it's quarterback-driven league, and they have one. And I'm super excited to see what happens in, in going forward and, and with the draft and free agency. They're going to have a lot of money now with Jimmy's contract off the books. They've got a lot of free agents they want to bring back, which we'll uh, preview in our free agency show. But man, a, a lot of exciting times. So. Man, it was it was a tough loss, but I think overall, we should be thankful for the ride, thankful for the, the service that Jimmy's done, and thankful for the fact that Trey's here, right? Because brighter days are ahead, and the Niners are going to be contending for a long time because this core, it's young, they're, they're going to get them all under contract, they're all playing together, and they're all playing in, in their primes. So, it's going to be a lot, a lot of good football ahead, a lot of fun stuff to talk about. So, for Brian Rennick, this has been Zane Nappy with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. See ya.